This is Matt. And this is Ed. And welcome to Geek Central. Nani? I was sent to protect some of my fellow Earthmen on a mission to your lovely planet, and if they don't get back in one piece, I'm really gonna look like a dick. Oh, hey guys! Uh, yeah, we don't know who that is. It was a secret mission. Well, you suck at it then. Alright, so we've we moved on finally to episode 3, Who You Calling Ugly. Cool. Uh, the, it starts off, of course, with the, with the eulogy. Nolan literally standing over the bodies of the people he's like butchered. He's like saying all like these nice words about them. Like, what type of piece of shit do you have to be to give a eulogy at the funeral of the people that you butchered? And what makes it even worse is too like we when we were rewatching this, whenever Helm and Deborah have that talk about his his friends, and he says coworkers, Deborah. <laughs> Like he, he doesn't he's like, give, no, your friends just died. Coworkers. Coworkers. What the hell? Like I mean I, I look at it this like oh, okay. God. <laughs> All right, yeah, you might have the same you might have the same viewpoint I do when it comes to this. Okay, even if you had somebody that was a coworker that passed away, you might not have been friends, but you wouldn't say something like that. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You wouldn't say Oh, he's only a coworker. I don't care if he died or not. Like, you still kind of had a bond with that person. Yeah, you know, I still be cool. Like, man, I miss Jerry. Yeah, and wow, that's actually really surreal considering that I actually have a coworker named Jerry that just had like Jesus Christ, man. He didn't die, but he had like a stroke like yeah, last week. Thing. Last week, <laughs> bro. Hey, let me tell you something, man. I've seen cancer eat coworkers up, bro. I've seen them die in car wrecks. You know. And these people aren't a part of my immediate my immediate family, and it's not like I talk to them every single day. Mm-hmm. But it's like, bro, it's like, man, you, you feel of some type life. of way. Yeah, you feel some type of way, man. Some of these people you work with, like all the time. Like I got, I got a coworker that I work with that I went to school with, and like even in school, like we we were kind of like you know friends in school, but like we're not like best friends. Yeah, but like I consider him a good friend. Even in the, like even now, like I was still consider him a good friend. It's just, it's just that's just that was just a heartless thing to say, and it really pretty messed up. Man. Really starts painting the picture of what Nolan uh, thinks of humanity later on, especially what he thinks of him in the final episode. Yeah, he just he just built different, man. You know, you you kind of I guess from your human understanding, you grow to stop liking. Nolan, especially towards it from your human understanding, but from that vitramite understanding, if we look at it his way, you kind of get it. Yeah, like, well, I mean, especially what he says about when he even says about Deborah later on, which we'll talk about that when I, that comes up. But so he's already he's kind of on the edge anyway because not only is he like having to do this fake facade of like caring about the Guardians of the Globe and stuff like that. But he also has Damien Darkblood, the coolest detective, in my opinion, with the coolest voice, snooping around about and looking for information on Nolan because he's, he's got a suspicion about him. He kind of pretty much 
knows that he did it, but he just hasn't found a way to pinpoint it. To he work. figured it out day one. He's like, look, man, all the Guardians are dead. The only one that's left alive is Nolan. And he's he knows that he did it. He knows, like, he literally knows. He just don't have the evidence to prove it yet. And Nolan is already, he's starting to get on edge. He's losing his cool. He's starting to try to, you can already see the wheel works of him trying to find a way to get rid of yep. Damien. He's like, he's like, what are you doing here, Damien? Uh, no one invites. Show up anyway. Yeah, like I said. <laughs> and, and plus, you know, we, we talked about this in the last episode. We get old, um, oh God, what was his name? <laughs> Clancy Brown. We get Clancy Brown Clancy back. Brown. Who played Lex Luthor in the animated series. And he's back in another superhero role and doing a fantastic job. I love I love I love this character. I, I really want to see more Damien Dark Damien um Dark Blood. Damien Dark. That's the guy off of Arrow. In season four. No, I take it back. I watched the, I watched the first five episodes of Arrow and I was done. Damien Dark was in season four. But you know, I watched the first season of Flash. That was good. There's just too much. There's too much of Flash. But you know, problem that. with that. The problem with CW shows is like they're really good at the beginning, like the first two, two or so, two or three seasons, real good concept. But then by the time four comes in, it goes into like what we talked about in another episode. We're a soap opera thing. now. They get into that <laughs> where they got to start feeding the money machine and following the the check boxes. To make sure they keep making the money. Because the they found their audience. Their audience. And they cater to it. And Oh, big time. And I'm going to be honest here. This isn't like a view on anybody's opinions. But when it comes to these CW shows, their audiences are not comic book nerds. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> That's probably an offensive term. Comic book geeks. <laughs> Kind of like, like your friends at Communist Geek Syndrome. But the, that's not their main audience. Their main audience is um, teenage girls. This is our Invincible. It's not Robert Kirkman's. You're supposed to say something. You're supposed to say, like, yes, comrade. Right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, comrade. Yes, comrade. Ah, yes, comrade. As I stroke yes. my majestic beard. Well. Well, we're in mother. We're in the motherland now, or the fatherland. Excuse me. And I take a, I take a sip of my vodka. <laughs> so, <laughs> so fast forward like a little bit. You know, we get to the house scene. Uh, Nolan tries to act like things normal, but like you said, like hey, you know, uh, Debbie's talking to him. Uh, like, she's kind of being short with him. Yeah, she's being short with him. You know, she's she's getting upset. I'm like, man, this lady just don't know. Uh, <laughs> she just don't know how close she is to losing that life. You know? like. Honestly, I'm surprised that he didn't try to offer. Well, you know, he... Yeah, but I know why, because in reality, which we find out, you know, in the last episode, you know, we, I guess we can jump forward to that. No, he, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. But he, he loves her. He, he loves her. You know, yeah, even, even like legitimately. Says, yeah, even when he says it, he still loves her, man. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you don't... You know, he... No matter what he did to Mark, he loves Mark deeply. He you, you can't fake that. And by proxy, the fondness that he has for Mark, he has to have it for 
for Mark's mother as well, too. You got to care about somebody like that. You, mm-hmm. you got to care. You, you can't fake that, man. Uh, but, you know, no one's like, yeah, yeah, how about this? Hey, I'll go get some pizza. You know, I'll be in Italy, Naples, be back for uh, for sundown. Be back for sundown. And, yeah, he's, like I say, it's like a normal day for Nolan, bro. Like, normal yeah, day he's kind of doing, doing his thing. But, so then, you know, this is when we come up with something else. So, even Mark went to both funerals because they had they actually had two funerals. They had the televised one and they had the legitimate one, which they did to for the families because they didn't want the family members to be found out. Like they're trying to keep that all secret. So the next thing we find out is that Rexplode and Duplicate were not there at those. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't there. They weren't. And there. the reason why <laughs> they weren't there was because they were they were duplicating. They were too busy in the shower getting it on. And Eve finds out about it because she comes back to uh, the base and the team team base. And she finds them out, and Rexplode tries to explain. Very poorly that it wasn't his fault because he thought that Eve and Mark were a thing yeah. now. Like, she was cheating on him with Mark. But Eve's like, we go to school together. That's yes. it. We're friends. I don't, me and him don't have anything yet. Well, yeah, you can just, you can just tell. You can just tell, you can tell where it's going. Like, even going back to, like, episode, like, two, like, their relationship just takes off, like, from the stratosphere, like, like immediately. The, looking at their, their, in episode two, their relationship, like, Mark and Eve, just, like, them being friends, their relationship already is more healthier than Mark and Amber, Amber's yeah. relationship. Well, if you look at it, if you, if you look at the beginning trajectories, they're both pretty... Pretty safe relationships. Yeah, like oh yeah, 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 Because yeah. right? like even then, but it's but it's at some point, and this is about at the same point where these relationships should still be going. If they were going to be good, they would still be going in the same way. Yeah. But one extremely deviates. They start to diverge extremely, and um, honestly, it's just. I don't think it's going to... It's definitely not going to work out. And the, the thing, this whole thing with explode and Duplicate, right? Now, if you look at the storytelling, there's there's no indication. Now, we... Okay, so it's been established that explode is a, is, a, is a dick or a piece of work, right? But he's uh, still a great character. Yeah. And, uh, not the, in like that he's a, he's a good character. He's just a character. fun. A fun character because he's... I don't have to explain myself. <laughs> And then duplicate duplicate has little to no speaking lines, right? She just duplicates. She just duplicates. She duplicates. She she makes she makes more of herself to get destroyed, and so back, so forth and so on. My thing is, um, if she gets like, if her if her duplicates get destroyed, does she? Who's the real one, right? Does she? No, she knows who the real one is because uh, her costume changes the numbers. Oh, okay. Like, so she's the original. Just the one is always hers. And then whenever they duplicate, it's like the number changes to like two, three, four, stuff like that. Mm. But my thing is like, does she remember what they happened? Kind of like you know the Shadow Clone stuff. Could like, be with possible. Naruto. Oof. Could be that's pretty terrible. She dies in some pretty terrible ways. Or uh, well, yeah, because they don't. 
That'd be weird. Yeah. In pretty terrible ways. But, but, I mean, maybe she doesn't because she doesn't really talk about it at all. And no. No trying trauma or nothing like that. Because that would be all already brought up by something by now. You know, the thing is, they could have done that because they, they don't build up. They There's no building of Rex and Duplicate. Rex and Duplicate just happened. Mm-hmm. But I think was, you know, if you go back to the comic books, I think when Robert Kirkman was making it, like, he started, it's kind of like you have an idea and a theory in your head, mm-hmm. and you start building on it, and then you kind of get to this point, man, I should have done that, I should have done something else, and I think you realize super early that I gotta get Eve off of Rex right now, because putting her with Mark at this moment is better for my story, better for my art. It's something more people can relate to because, you know, let's just face it. Everybody likes Spider-Man and Mary Jane, right? Or, right. or Gwen Stacy. Uh, everybody likes that. And so that's that's kind of like a like a little relationship building thing he had. And so that's that's the only reason why this is this even happens. They could have told the whole story of Invincible in this part not even being there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And so what what kind of happens on the next go around here is that so Cyborg Cecil and this this cyborg. this is very out of place. Uh Cecil I said Cyborg. Booyah. Booyah. Because it's Teen Team, Teen Titan. We can say Booyah, not but Ray Fisher. His name is Robot. Robot, yes, Robot. Uh so Cecil Played by Spock. Speasel. Cecil. Speasel. Speasel. God dang it, Speasel. Cecil the Speasel tells Cecil uh, the Speasel. Cyborg. The robot. The he robot said, Cyborg. He said, he said it again. Cecil, Cecil the Speasel tells Robot the Cyborg that, uh, okay, Robot. Rob, Adomo, Dome Arigato. Bro, bro, it is the <laughs> easiest name. Look, Literally. Look, don't judge me. <laughs> I called somebody Digimon the last episode. Well, in your defense, <laughs> his name looked like the, the entire Digidestin combined. <laughs> I call this man Digimon. Now, I disrespected this man. <laughs> that he was looked unfair like, me. He looked, he looked like all eight Digidestin's names call that, combined. Call this man Digimon. Call this dude Agumon, yo. Like, this dude got a death vendetta against me. <laughs> He's going to Digivolve in the old ass. <laughs> That that's pretty. That's pretty bad. That's Cutting pretty that bad. out. Yeah. <laughs> this is all of all of your stuff. All right. So back, back to <laughs> so back to what I was saying. Cecil, Cecil like, the Beasel. Like, you remember? You remember back when Endgame was coming out, and everybody had the fan theory that they the way they were going to kill oh, Thanos was with <laughs> Thanos. Right, right up, right up the old tailbone there, right, right up the tailpipe, and then expanding and blowing up again. Yeah, it is to kill KO. Oh my god, that was so bad. What was so funny about it was I really thought that they were going to have some throwaway line about it in the movie. Like, yeah, what? Hey, Tony, crazy, crazy idea. But what if I just go up his ass and they just all look at him funny? Or no, 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 <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah, because like, no, no, up. like, what if it had been like Don Cheeto just said it, just to be funny, you know? Like, yeah. And then like Ant Man just kind of goes, "I'm not doing uh, that." No, I'm not going to do that. And then everybody's like, "We, we were, we didn't really expect you to." We need you to save Earth. All right, so go back to Cecil and oh, uh, Robot. Yeah, Cecil and Cyborg. <laughs> 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 
I said cyborg on purpose that time. Uh, no, okay, uh-huh, so, sure. So season and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> with Star Lord uh, is here as well. Uh, okay, so and Cecil, Drax. He, Drax is in the show the entire time. You just he's couldn't see him. Still. <laughs> God damn it! Let me move forward. All right. Uh, Cecil. Question. Tells robot what? What's the question? All right. So. Uh, if you know you've heard the the talk about um, Batista leaving after Guardians of the Galaxy three, right? Yeah. So they can recast him with John Cena. Oh, because you can't see him. Exactly. But then John Cena will be breaking the fourth, fifth, and sixth wall by being Fast and Furious, Suicide Squad, and the Guardians of the Galaxy. He will have three of the Infinity Stones. Isn't Batista in the, the Suicide Squad movie too? Hell if I know. Anyway, that's not important. Go back to Robot and yeah, Cecil. Yeah, all right. Robot, Booyah, something like that. Uh, so Cecil basically tells him, hey, bro, I need a new Guardians of the Globe. And so they have a tournament, right? And in a tournament, who ends up winning? Tournament arc. Tur- yeah, it's tournament arc. Every anime has one. And it only lasts every, for 15 minutes. Every good anime has one. 15 minutes. So the team consists of Monster Girl, Black Samson, Shrieking Ray. Uh, Eve does pretty good too, but she quits immediately because Rexplode is a part of the team and Duplicate is a part of the team. Now, uh, one thing I thought was funny was uh, Rexplode goes with the Monster Girl. I'm like, yo, isn't there like an age requirement? And it's just like, yo, isn't there like a dick requirement or some shit? And they kind of go at it, and they end up actually fighting. And Monster Girl beats the dog piss out of them. And I think Mark swoops in and saves like the day and stuff like that. Yeah, because remember there was that joke, and it was like, uh, oh, he had a little girl. <laughs> 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 Yeah, they, uh, she beats the, she beats the shit out of him, man. But no. you know, Rex, you know, Rex Blow is just he's 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 got some car, karma going on right now. No, I mean he kind of exists to be just a punching bag. He is a way. punching bag. He is a punching bag. I mean, like honestly, his powers remind me of Jubilee's powers, <laughs> sparkling little fireball. Less effective. But he gets apparently he gets a little bit stronger later on. Now, uh, no, no disrespect to the new Guardians of the Globe. But I don't see them as being able to handle a world-ending threat. Now, you basically go from the Justice League, who their only enemy was Superman. Which, what happened to them makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Omni-Man is considered Superman. You know, if we look at Superman, how powerful he is. And if he f- went against the Justice League, he'd not. He has them. potential. There's, there's scenarios in comic books where he does that in Video wins. games. Video games, he does that and wins. And in the video games, in Justice, he does it handily. No issue. Like, he deals with them, man. Bro, in the Injustice game, he doesn't even have to do anything. These people, like, they divide. And ones that could actually probably give him a run for his money don't even try. Yeah, Aquaman don't quit. Don't really care. Flash don't even try, man. Flash could, like... Flash could like honestly, Flash is about one of the few that could probably handle Superman in DC Universe. Right. And he don't even try. Like he don't even like put up a fight. He just automatically jumps on board with him. But that's because going to that game though, at the beginning of it, he had Superman's ideal you know, he's this type of character, you know, like this stoic character. And he's his ideals 
people probably were following him blindly thinking that, you know, he had the best intentions. But as time went on, you started noticing that this isn't the Superman that we know. Yeah. Something's off. Which kind of plays a big role when you get towards the end of the series because it's kind of like Nolan tries to do that in a way. A little mm-hmm. spoiler. That's a hit. But the thing about the thing about Superman and the thing about the people who follow Superman is they're they're rulers. Aquaman's a ruler, Wonder Woman is a ruler, technically for Thamascare. Uh some of the other ones I they think have, she is technically she, I think she is the ruler in the game. Yep. They have a different way of, of, of thinking. Uh they their whole purpose is to eliminate threats. And the thing about what happens in the DC or in a lot of the heroes is that they you know, they treat they treat the villains basically like a flu outbreak. This is just their killing time, and then we're the vaccine to put them away for a few months. Right, uh, that's actually a very good analogy. But with Wonder Woman and people like that, or even when Superman goes bad in the Justice, we are we're not we're not just some vaccine. We are totally utterly destroying this virus and removing it. But the only one out of the entire Justice League that has a justifiable reasoning for why he doesn't kill his enemies is because it's kind of like his law. It's Batman. Yeah. He has has an ideal that if you kill... If you kill the person that's... You know, like if if you kill the bad guy, you're no better than that person. His idea is like... I know he the quote, and it's kind of a bad, it's not really a good quote, though, because it's like, if you kill a murderer, then the world still, the amount of murderers in the world is still the same. Right. Which is not that great of a quote, because you still reduce the amount of people that murder are killed. But uh, going back to, like, the main, the main topic or the main focus here is, there has to be, in this world, there has to be a better set of guardians than this. Black Samson... Has no powers. He had powers. And he lost them. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that's explained a little bit later on, especially in the comic books. Uh, Shriek Ray. You know she, which was in a comic book, she's a male, but Shriek Ray has the ability to basically fight. She can shrink. She can get large. And she uses her powers in a very, uh, very manipulative way to deal with her enemies. Ray Explode can make items explode out of his hands. We've seen that. Monster Girl gets weaker every time she loses her abilities. You have Robot. No, she doesn't get weaker. She Her age. She's younger, yeah. She yeah, younger. she reverts She's in age. And I don't see these. They're not on par with the Guardians that were dealt with. They're, they're not on par with the Guardians that died. In no way. There has to be, there has to be a better set of, of heroes than this. If you want a good, a good way to look at it. It's kind of like, okay, look at the Guardians of the Globe as being like the Avengers, and then looking at the new Guardians of the Globe as being the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, that's one way to break it down, because they they not on the same level. They not on They're the same They're trying to accomplish the same goal, but one is like the A-team, literally. The A-team. Literally. And then the other one is just kind of like a ragtag group of people that are just like kind of thrown together. They almost B-team. Almost, and so that comparison because you got like you, you look at the original Guardians of the Globe, you got people that are modeled after the original Justice League, obviously, because we talked about that last time, and now you just got a group of like it's basically like it's basically like if you had a band 
And all the players left. Like, okay, Guns N' Roses. Like, whenever all the people left Guns N' Roses, and then Alex, what's his name? I don't really keep Alex up with Rose. I don't keep up with Guns N' Roses. Axel Rose. Axel Rose. Axel Rose. Axel Rose. And then Axel Rose basically had to scrape together a bunch of people just to keep making the band work. Is <laughs> basically what's going on right now. Yeah, they're 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 literally they're literally bottom shelf. And the thing about it is, they don't even get along. They don't even get along with each other. Like once they form up, so this this whole thing, I, I really didn't like the Guardians of the Globe and what it is now. I don't perceive them as as any threat or anything really. I don't perceive them as being like an issue. I just don't think that they were like the best candidates that they could choose. Right. It had to be. It's it's got to. It had to be. Something it had else. to be somebody better be. than. I'm. I, I and this is me talking about liking Rexplode. There has to be somebody better than Rexplode. Has to be. Has to be somebody better than Rexplode. And uh, you know, kind of okay. So we're gonna jump into like another major part uh plot point here it was uh Mark after after the all the events with the tryouts after all the events with um with the funeral and everything like that. Mark finally calls Amber. It sets up like a study date, you know, which is kind of weird because her killer, her, her character development is a little off here, right? Mm-hmm. Mark comes off as a high school kid. She comes off as somebody who is twice her age. Yeah, she kind of does feel like that kind of college, kind of like girl, like college grad almost. Yeah. That's like. Like a college grad is basically not hasn't found her way yet. Like she's done graduated college, but she still has like her ideas, ideals that she wants to do, her path. She still wants to go on her little journey quest or whatever. And Mark is literally like one thing I will say about this show, going to talking about Mark, they do paint the picture of him being a high school student because yeah, he does have kid. all this stuff going on, trying to hang out with his friends, trying to do uh, schoolwork, trying to save the world, working a part-time job, Yeah, which in the comic book explained, uh, which was a funny little thing about that because he quits the job and then he thinks about the repercussions he's going to get from his dad. <laughs> and then his dad's like, while they're washing dishes, basically says, you know, I was thinking, with you out there saving the world, it might be time you quit the job. <laughs> and I'm like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Yes. I'm not in trouble. Thank you, dad. But but like you're saying, though, with Amber, though, when you first, we got first introduced with her, she just didn't feel like she belonged in that high school. It kind of felt like she was maybe like a teacher's aide or something like that. Yeah, bro. She, she feels like, I said, she feels like she's like 25 in the way she's interacting with Mark. You know, she was like, you know, Mark was like, yo, I just thought we could just, just hang out and like study or whatever. And, and then she starts analyzing it. She starts analyzing it. She's yeah. Because, like, oh. I mean, like, not only, you know, like, we keep looking at her side of things. She's like, because this goes later on into it, but she's she volunteers at like, Soup kitchen. She vol- does all this stuff like this. Well, the soup kitchen stuff that does happen. Yeah, like, you but know, kids, kids do volunteer for that. Yeah, that's true. But it kind of like I don't know where I'm trying to go with that. <laughs> it's just she does. She does kind of feel out of place compared to like Mark. Yeah, she, she feels more like she's in college than Mark feels like he's in high, just starting high school. Exactly. It's it's very it's it's like, very disjointed right here. So. uh <laughs> So I see why Mark likes it. 
but that just didn't feel like a like a high school like romance. Even though I know that superheroes and stuff like that, you know, the groundwork has already been laid in place with stuff like Spider Man and countless other uh, yeah. heroes that are in high school or really young. But I, I just thought you it know could, it kind of missed out on opportunity on it because okay, another thing if you look at it too, especially going in a little bit further into it, their their high school relationship. They're supposed to be a high school relationship, but the way Amber treats their relationship, especially later points, you know, when we get to them, she puts way more like it's like this is this is the one like um, you need to choose me or that. She's already given him ultimatums like already like now, come on, man. Y'all like, school, they bro. just started talking like. Two weeks ago or more. You know, okay, you know, and this is going to sound weird. This is going to sound real weird. Uh, and it'll make a lot of sense as we go forward. Is you know who did the high school relationship right? Was as far as as far as the other party being upset, which was in Batman Beyond with Terry McGinnis and his little girlfriend. Mm, mm. Uh, because really, Terry, all right, so what the stuff that happened with his pops, she knew, she understood, and she gave Terry, like, mad space, right? Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where I've given this dude so much space, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I've done my part. She did her part. Yeah. That's the thing. She did her part. She was very understanding before that kind of blew up. Then they were on again, off again. Uh, this just, you know, it's, it's like Amber, it's like Amber, it's like a 80-30 split. Yeah. Like, it's, it's all Amber. Like, it's like 80% of it's the... like, she's not giving Mark time to do anything that he wants to do. It has to be all about her. Yeah. And even whenever she finds out, or later on about something, she still... It's just, she, she just becomes such an unlikable character. Yeah, even right here. Even at this moment, she, she commands... This conversation with Mark, she commands 80% of it. Like, yeah, like, she's already playing games on the whole, like, oh, well, you're not interested, then you're not, yeah. not, you're not, then if you're not interested, then hang up, you know, kind of thing. Wild and, stuff, man. Wild stuff. So, but, this Amber stuff, up and down, up and down. It, it does, and, but, you know, they finally do go on that study date, you know. Yeah, they do go on a date, they do go on a date, but, uh, of course... Uh, all right. So our buddy, our buddy Cecil. Cecil. All right. So here's the thing about Martin, right? You know, it's that one part. The phones keep ringing. You're like, damn. Like, you know, I keep hanging up. They keep calling back. It's literally because the phone my dad cuts the me. phone off. Yes. Literally cut the phone off, and it kept ringing. And Cecil shows up. Cecil. Show- Yo, I'm telling you, I had a a flashback. You know, with me and my pops. You know, pops called me a hundred times. I like, look, I'm busy. You know, dude, just show up to the house. Hey, I called you, bro. <laughs> I, I know that, that don't mean come here. <laughs> uh, I know, I know that feeling. Like I've had conversations like similar to that. Like my dad will call me, and I'll be like, "Hey, I can't talk right now," and he'd be like, oh, "Okay," and then he'll literally keep talking. <laughs> and I'm like, "Dad, I, I gotta go. I can't talk right now." And he just keeps going, yeah. and I'm like, "I." Have to go. Bro, that don't mean come here. I'm busy. Don't show up. <laughs> like, I got stuff going on. And, of course, Cecil does show up. He's like, hey, you got to, you know, hey, you know, you'll never you, work for me. If yeah, you if you're going to try to save the world, you need to pick up the god dang phone. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, 
basically the re- what it is is there's an emergency. They got to go to Mount Rushmore to stop. What's his name? Doc Seismic. Doc, Doc Seismic. So he's got. It is kind of funny because they are already teasing the idea of Mark and Eve in this. Yeah, because they go they go straight there. You know? He even says like uh, he even he says uh, Eve's going to be going along like that, and he goes, "Oh, Eve's going." He's like, "Oh, is that he's that like, makes oh, you he's going?" <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, he's going." Oh, is that enticing you to go now? And he's like, "I mean." You, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. going now. <laughs> I wasn't gonna go. I'm so, going now. <laughs> so they actually, you know, they go and they actually had a pretty good fight with Doctor Seismic. I think it was a pretty decent little fight. I like how Doctor Seismic was just funny. You know, he throws the head off of Abraham Lincoln. He's like, "Oh, the Great Emancipator will emancipate you from your life." Like, oh, what a cheesy line! And Mark even says, it. "Like, wow, your your one liners are terrible." <laughs> I liked it. Mark was wrong. <laughs> But, You're wrong, Mark. <laughs> but the fight, uh, fight's pretty good. Uh, it ends on a uh, ominous kind of like ending, though. That you know, you kind of feel like he's dead because he falls in the lava. Yeah. But um, so that happens, and then he even Mark leave and basically go on and do their thing. I guess not, not them doing a thing, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Separate ways. <laughs> Separate ways. Uh, doesn't so they go back. Mark goes, uh, Eve leaves. Mark goes back to uh, Amber. Amber is actually still there, she's been there for like a she's hour mad. and a half, something like that. She's mad, yeah, she's upset, you know. She's like, Well, yeah, okay, so in defense of Amber, I get it. We got a date. You said be over here this time, and I your excuse up. was pretty, pretty, pretty poor, pretty, pretty lame excuse, okay? So, I do. I do. I feel for on her this. One. Yeah, I get her this way. But you know, there's a revelation that we find out later that makes me wonder how far back she knows in that revelation, which we'll talk about that when we get to that. But then you know, after that, that's um, Eve goes back to the the base, right? And Rex tries to apologize to her. Yeah, Rex. Rex tries to get slick with it. You know, he's hitting like the little fireworks, like boom. Hey, you know, just I'm sorry, all that stuff, blah blah. blah. And she's she's not having it. And so she's going to go back to talk talk to Mark, and you know we were starting to see this kind of you know little little blooming, little blossoming going on, just kind of a little hint of it. Yeah, like I said, not, nothing, not nothing, the, uh, nothing bit major. Like you know, it's just a little bit. And she goes, and then she discovers Mark and Amber making out. Yep. Well, she, you know, studying. I, she can't really be mad at studying Mark. biology. Biology, yes, anatomy. But she isn't mad because she even says she's like, "Wait, like she feel like she missed a shot." She kind of no, well, no. I don't think she was like. I don't think in her mind she was going there to you know hook up with him or try to like start something. She literally was going there to talk, talk to, to him. him. Yeah, because like I said, their relationship, Mark, their yeah. their relationships, like fantastic. They got like the best relationship in this whole show. They got very like I said, that that relationship zoom. You know, and it, the crazy part is the crazy part about Mark and uh, Eve's relationship is that it happens super fast. And normally, normally I don't like when things happen at that speed and pace. Normally, like, hey, you got to build it up a little bit. But, but it just works. It, it's kind of like. Okay, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people haven't been in a relationship like this. You know, um, uh, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, I have been in a relationship like this. Is that 
when you are when you meet this person, things just it's like a domino falls, right? You know, mm-hmm. like everything just click, 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 everything just falls right in place. You know, you say a joke, they laugh at it. They say a joke, you laugh at it. You know, you have these moments of reflection. You have these moments of uh, just, you have this, these moments of oneness. You have these moments of understanding that you have with this purpose. Not a lot of people get that, have had that, or have seen that. But I feel like that's what they're trying to do with Mark and Eve. And it does fit. Now, you know, going back to uh, Amber and Mark's situation, like Amber and Mark's uh, relationship, that has to build, right? Mm-hmm. For that to be done right, that has to build in a certain way. But, but even Mark just take off like super fast. Oh, even Mark take off in the sense of like there's like an actual relationship there. E, uh, Mark and Amber almost feels like a lust relationship. I mean, like there's kind of like a, you know, connection there where they're kind of like, you know, talking, having a good time, stuff like that. But it doesn't seem, it's very lust like driven. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know, which is okay when you're young. It's yeah. okay when you're young. I think you're attractive, you know, yada, yada, yada. Let's, let's, up. let's, uh, let's study, let's study biology. <laughs> Hormones, baby. Yeah. Biology 101. 101. <laughs> one, on, one on one, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So then we find out about robot helping the Mahler twins. The Mahler twins, uh, you know, the people who got beat up by the Guardians of the Globe at the beginning, get locked up at like a supermax facility, and they break out. They break out with the help of robot. And I'm like, man, you know, I did not see this coming. Especially the way it played off, because it was like, you know, unseen people, guards helping them. Uh, they get out. One Mahler twin sacrifices the other. Then it cuts to the security feed and robots behind it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a very that was very surprising because when that happened, I was kind of like, "Oh, what what's going to happen here?" I was like, that, "My mind at this point in this series because I'm like trying to figure out like, because we already know Nolan's like a bad guy, like sort of bad guy." Um, from what we kind of figuring out right now, like, well, at first I, you know, the first episode, you know, everybody, I thought Nolan was just being brainwashed, kind of like how Superman's been brainwashed a million times. Yeah, thousand times. But then, as you know, as the series progresses, you start seeing how he's adding, and I'm like, yeah, he's he was not brainwashed when he did that. <laughs> but, you know, there's still that idea. But then you got Robot. Now you're going like, oh, so Robot might be a potential villain in the future, you know, kind of thing. But then you find out why he did what he did and a little bit later. Ooh, man, bro, you you have a... I know. Don't, don't have... spoil nothing. Don't ruin my experience. Okay, I'll shut up. Thank you. I'll shut up. I'm trying to... I'm trying to... I'm trying to read those comics <laughs> as quick as I can. <laughs> I'm trying. It's just it takes me a while to read things because I get bored or I fall asleep. Now, <laughs> and now when I say I get bored, don't take it the wrong way. It's just I have to be motivated to read. It's just what Ed is saying. I'm gonna break it down for him. Is a man of taste such as himself the highest taste? Uh, a man such as class as himself the highest possible class of of decadence, uh, wealth, and riches the highest riches. Uh, he doesn't have time to focus on this peon-like literature for more than a moment. He has to focus on his stocks, his many women, his many cars, 
his mini business adventures. My golf tournaments. His mini yachts and his golf outing, uh, which I was not <laughs> invited to at all. Uh, I like golfing. I actually don't. Uh, but I just want to ride on the golf cart and drink beer. I feel like I deserve that. I feel like I'm allowed to have that. I see these people in my neighborhood all day, all day just riding the golf carts, listening to their, their Aerosmith and their and their Black Sabbath. I'm like, get off my lawn with your golf carts, you drunk son of a bitch. I want to be that drunk son of a bitch. I deserve it. I work hard. I deal with the worst people in America every day. I but, deserve a golf cart. But also, I am extremely sunburnt right now. Oh, yeah. Because I am extremely white. <laughs> oh, well, shocker. Like, pale. I'm oh like Casper. You're white. We got some, man, we got some very heavy <laughs> race revelations. <laughs> I am like Casper, <laughs> the friendly ghost. Earlier we found out, early episode we found out I was black. Now we found out that Ed is, uh, is white. White. <laughs> And I am Shocking. sunburnt, and my neck hurts really bad, and it's hard to turn. <laughs> <laughs> like the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. <laughs> Just like the sand in the hourglass. Oh, yo, that's it wrong. Dark blood questions, Debbie. <laughs> that makes no sense. That was not. That was a terrible segue. It was, but you did it, and I'm proud of you. <laughs> you didn't give up. No, oh, hold on. I can make this better. Just like the sands in the hourglass that keep moving, Dark Blood keeps investigating Nolan and actually goes to question Debbie, which would be the next logical thing because the sands are going to go down in the hourglass. Wow, just stop it. <laughs> that was probably worse. Stop it. You tried. But, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, basically, he had. He so Damien talks to Deborah and basically like finds out that Nolan doesn't hasn't basically told her anything and the encounter leaves her Deborah more suspicious of Nolan and Nolan is able to sense that Damien's been there because of his cold presence. Yeah, he's like, man, what the. What the that, hell? that Damien. Damn, Damien is in here. What's wrong? What's wrong with this damn demon? It's my house. My Sanctity. House. Sanctity in my home. <laughs> so now we go into episode four. You know, this is Neil really Armstrong. Like, eat your heart out. Really, really light episode. Really. That's a good episode. Though. It was really fun. Really it was really light. fun. I was very, there's some good funny moments. Um, Real, so, real good stuff. So the biggest thing that happens in here is that uh, Mark uh, Cecil asks Nolan, "Hey, I got a mission going to Mars, uh, and I need you to protect it." Nolan's like, "Bro, I'm not doing that." That's basically what he said. He said, "Bro, that don't even sound like something I want to do." Send Mark, or no, he asked Mark. He asked Mark. Yeah, he asked Mark. And Mark's like, "Yeah, I'll go to Mars." And of course, uh, Cecil wants him to protect the ship because he, he expressly says, "Hey, Earth needs a win right now." And the way he the way he builds it, it's going to be a cakewalk because he's already he already knows that hey, we've already know what's on Mars, mm -hmm. so they won't run into any problems. Well, you just got to make sure the the pot, the astronauts are safe. Yeah. Well, that ain't quite what happens. 
And of course, if Mark gets there, you know, it's like what starfish, starfish or something out there. They're trying to attach his face. Starro, Starhead, and the uh, the Martians there kidnap the astronauts. Uh, what else happens? What else? I can't. I'm, I'm trying to remember this episode off my head. Uh, Martian Emperor is like, hey, bro. Uh, so that's why we have the notes. Yeah, fuck those. <laughs> hell with the notes. Martian Emperor is like, hey. You people need to get off these planet because these sequoids can't attach to people. Sequids? Sequids. They can, you know, by themselves. They're they can't do anything to the Martians. Because they can rearrange their face. But human biology allows them to, like, basically copy, like, uh, create a symbiote relationship with yeah, them. Yeah, it, like. it allows them to create a hive mind network. Where they can all function and act as one. Yeah. So basically, while that's going on, that means like if if the squids, 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 if the squids get caught onto the earth, the earthlings, and go back to Earth, they can branch out and affect the entire planet, which then. Once they have, they basically got the manpower, they can go out and go across the entire universe. Yeah, be like a damn plague that sweeps across it. Basically, the Reapers and Mass Effect. And the Martian Emperor's like, bro, we got to kill every single one of y'all, man, because there's just no way we can allow that to happen. Because we don't know if you've been invented or not. Yeah, which he actually had the right idea. Because, end of the episode. Yeah, end of the episode, newsflash, just going to cut straight ahead. Uh, Uh, Somebody is infected. Dun, dun, dun. And of course, Mark, you know, he does all he can to get him out of there because he's the hero. He's the hero. Got to save the day. Got to save sure. it. Yeah. He used the. He actually used some of his things that he learned. One thing I like about the the show is that you see Mark using things that he picks up in his training with his dad. Like he uses the dust storm, like the follow up. Like he's like whenever he was flying with his dad or earlier in the first episode. Yeah. When they were training or whatever, and he flew, and he noticed that the closer he was to the ground, the more dust he picked up. He uses that on them yeah, to kind of create like a shield, so that it kind of like disorient them where they can't like hit the um, astronauts. So while he's doing all that, you know, you got Nolan and Debbie going on vacation in Rome, in Roma, and trying to rekindle that relationship, and Nolan's getting pretty toxic towards her. Well, the thing about it is she knows that there is something absolutely wrong with what's going on uh, with Nolan. She knows Nolan. You know, how can I put it? It's the old adage. I've been with you for so long. I know you're lying. I know you're telling the truth. Which is something that happens, I think, in a lot of different relationships. You get to know people. Even though they try to hide it, even though they try to say, hey, you know nothing about me, you do really get to know people. You really get to know people and how they act and what they do. Well, it's been pretty evident, like even from the beginning of this uh, the series, she's been noticing that he's been off or something's been wrong with him, or he's been acting differently. Like even then, whenever he got out of the hospital, like ever since he came out of the hospital, he's been acting more short and more angry. Cause like when he was demanding his uh, wardrobe back, where's my where's my super suit? And <laughs> she was kind of like, you can just see it on her face. She's just like, something's not right. So. Yeah, wow. something. Yeah, something. Something is something is very wrong at this point. And Nolan attempts to Nolan attempts to like pacify her. He attempts to pacify her by saying, 
hey, let's go to room. Let's do all these things we did when we first got together. He's kind of he, like he tries that, to trick her. He's kind of like that very toxic relationship of, you know, whenever a uh, a girl or a female or any anybody really one side starts realizing that the other side's not good for them and not what they need to be, and they try to distance themselves or try to, like, change it or try to get away from it, then the other side basically plays that manipulative game of saying, you know, look at all this I can do. Look at all these things I can do. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do without me kind of thing? And he does that with her because they go on vacation and, you know, they get there's a monster attack and... She's like trying to get him to save him today, and he's like, "No, I brought with my day off." That's what he says. Yeah, let somebody else handle it. Like literally, <laughs> and so he's just kind of—he's pretty bad. He's—he's yeah. he's, he's getting worse. He's—he's he's going. He's going off the deep end. Like his layers are starting to peel, <laughs> and then we kind of get back with Cecil starting to kind of put two and two together about no one. Yeah, and but he can't do anything until he finds out. What Nolan's actual motives are? Yeah, because I think he 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 expressly says that he, he doesn't even know how to deal with Nolan. If Nolan really is rogue, he doesn't even know how to handle Nolan. He doesn't know what to do with Nolan if he's really on the bad side. But you know, and he don't want to like basically he don't want to push it and cause Nolan to go after him without him figuring it out. Yeah, and exactly. so. That's like a last resort type of deal, man. He honestly, I think what he the reason why he banishes Damien is because the fact that Damien is being so constantly relentless on pursuing Nolan. I figured he could have talked to Damien and he said, Damien, look, uh, Nolan go beat my and your ass. But <laughs> All right? I don't think I think Damien's kind of got like that uh that Batman mentality of like I'm not gonna stop no matter what. Yeah, like no matter what he's gonna do, he's gonna try his kind best of, to like the Batman him. Rorschach. Yeah, kind of detective mentality of not stopping and do it, do it. I love that part of that movie. He's that was, like, yeah, he's telling movie. me to kill him. Oh man, but that, that, but another cool thing about that is when he actually does kill him, his blood splatters like a Rorschach. Yeah, it does. That was really cool. God, that's such a good Zack Snyder. Is such a great director. And I'm not doing that just because I love his stuff. I'm just saying he really is. He's got a good vision. On a he's lot a of great things. director most of the time. Most not everything is great, but like, most of the time he's pretty good. Most of like if he has like usually when he has almost full creative control, it's pretty good. Only I guess his only his only issue is he needs a, somebody to kind of rein him in, but not like control him completely. This is he just need to do TV shows where he can put where he can tell ten hour epics. Cause that's what he wants to do. Yeah, that's well, really he, what he wants to do. He's got, he's got a whole bunch of stuff he's trying to do with Army of the Dead. Yeah, you see, exactly. That's that's what he wants to do, man. He might not want to. He might not want to say, "Hey, I want to do movies or TV shows." Excuse me, but mm -hmm. he really wants to do TV shows. From what I've seen, he's wanting. Uh, he's got an anime, a prequel anime, a prequel movie, and a sequel idea is already planned out for Army of the Dead. Like already planned out. He's even said that the, if he can get if his sequel gets greenlit, that thing is going to be the craziest thing. It, nobody's going to expect it. No. All right. So moving on to the last major point of this episode. Uh, last major point. The Mullen twins start the process of cloning, or he begins to clone himself, 
right? Mm -hmm. uh, because he used the last clone to as, as a shield, a, as a meat shield, <laughs> as, a, as a literal meat shield. So he begins to clone himself. Now, what's going on? One thing we didn't talk about uh, before, uh, especially at the beginning of the episode, is that robots always been monitoring them. Uh, he's he's always been monitoring. Them. He's always been keeping an eye on them. He's been keeping an eye on that cloning process. And the last really big revelation is that robot, the robot that you see, isn't really robot. Mm -hmm. Really is a robot. It's a, a deformed Rudy Connors. Now, the he's deformed. You know, I'm not sure exactly what happened to him. I had to go back and try to reread the books. But he he's deformed. He's been deformed for a really long time. It almost, so, in this, it looks like it's from birth almost. Birth, yeah. And the the only way the only way that you can infer uh, is that robot wants to clone himself. And what he did was he got a DNA sample from Rex to I guess assume to clone a version of Rex's body. Now, in the comic books, right, and I've said this a bunch of times, and I'm pretty sure I'll say this again. This is such a later plot point than what we're getting right now. It is such a later plot point. And I wonder why they're doing this so early, because they don't really have to tell this story right now. But it does flesh out Robot in a really, really big way. Man, in all honesty, though, it kind of feels natural. It feels natural? Okay. And like I said, we talked about that, too. Because I was saying, you know, like I was telling you, is maybe they maybe they remix some of this stuff so it can flow better. Now, I do, I do admit, I do admit, this thing flows very well. It and does. I don't have an issue with the pacing at all. Right. They're honestly, like, these, these episodes are almost, almost hour-long episodes. 40, 45 minutes. And they do not feel like it. These no. episodes... I've I've joked about this a lot in the last uh, last podcast episode where I said uh comparing this to Jupiter's legacy and this two episodes of this felt and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, two episodes of this felt like half of an episode of Jupiter's Legacy. Jupiter Leg Jupiter's Legacy, those first couple episodes are agonizing to watch, agonizing to finish. And another thing, then comparing Jupiter's Legacy, that first episode felt like <laughs> the Zack Snyder cut felt shorter than that. <laughs> In all truth, <laughs> not even like I'm not gonna try. I mean, I might be exaggerating a little bit on that, but like yeah, you, you kind of going for the juggler, man. I, I'm still saying that though. I want to say it was close to feeling on par with that because. <laughs> At least with the Zack Snyder's caught, like all the content was just like good, but Jupiter's Legacy, man, that just—I don't think I can. I don't think I'm gonna finish that. I don't think I'm gonna do it. It gets good. The last, the last two episodes rock pretty good, pretty yeah, hard. I don't think I can do it. I think the thing about Jupiter's Legacy, I don't think it's gonna start to reach its pinnacle until uh, until season two. If they even get to season two, cause I think they will. You know, Netflix. I've been hearing a lot of bad, a lot of bad press about it. Well, it's not. Okay, so here's the problem. Uh, and I guess we could be considered part of the problem, too. 
Uh, especially if you look at some of the stuff I said about HBO Max, and I'm willing to admit that, is that you get kind of caught up in the hype. And everybody gets caught up in the Netflix hype, and the executives at Netflix or the people in charge of Netflix are like, okay, why is it not generating the same hype that Stranger Things did? Or Castlevania, or yada, yada, yada. You know, how's it not, why is it not creating the same amount of buzz? Right. Where they don't realize that everything is going to hit the same way. Right, because you, you know? got, these are all different audiences. Yeah, like, everything's going to hit the same Stranger way. Stranger Things is kind of more of a broader audience thing. Castlevania is like... Bringing like the video gamers and stuff. Yeah, and know? then this is comic book people. They just um, it's bad. That's a whole episode right there. Yeah, so that's it for uh for episode uh, three four. and four. Three and four. Unless you got anything that you want to add to it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff so far. Um, gets really interesting because like when we get into I think episode five. Yeah. I want to say is when that's when things really started coming into it, and it really starts getting to a point where I could not stop, and I was like, I got to finish this. And you know, and don't take this the wrong way, ladies and gentlemen, but episode four is actually the weakest episode in the entire series, and that that is no way to say that it's bad. It's, yeah, it's, don't take it's, that the wrong way. It's it needed to be like this. It needed a, a kind of a calm moment. Because you needed a moment where Mark wasn't going through so much stuff. Is five whenever we have the um cyborg people? No, it's six. Oh, man. Six was so good. Because you know what they reminded me of? The cyborg people? Who's that? Their, their design reminded me so much of RoboCop. Yeah, you 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 can really see it. You and really I loved it. that. I was like, and that whole thing was like really good. And actually very, very kind of like. What's that word? It's not like I'm not saying terrifying, but like almost heart wrenching because you get like you see these characters like you you, look, you know you get that one character and then like not try to spoil but like later on in that whole thing and it's just like you see what happens to them. Yeah, you know one thing we glossed over. Uh, one thing we glossed over is the once again. They, no matter what episodes you get, they always build up some type of relationship with Mark. Uh, they built up the relationship with Mark and Cecil a lot more, as because uh, Cecil's starting to trust Mark with a lot of heavy stuff. Like a lot episode, more, exactly. So every episode, Mark's burdens tend to increase, right? And so, with the burden that Cecil starts to provide for him, also increases the burden of what he has with Amber, because he had to go to tell Amber. He's like, "Look, yo, I'm gonna be gone for like two weeks." This is after his study date almost yeah, went bad. After the study date went bad. You know, Amber tells him, like, bro, you always late. Lately, you always late. You always canceling plans. Like, what's going on? And then, okay, and at this point, once again. We're on Amber's side. We're on Amber's side. We're not on Amber's side for the totality of this. But, but we are when we get to right episode here. six, yeah. my viewpoint of that changes. <laughs> because, okay, at this point, Mark should tell her, Mark should be a little bit realer with her. And say, look, I really like you and I really want to be with you, but I have some obligations that I cannot pull away from. Mm-hmm. And what it is, we can hang out, but you got to be cool with me leaving at a moment's notice or coming up late. So Mark should have laid that. I will blame Mark for that. Mark should have been mm-hmm. upfront with her and told her what the deal was. 
But Straight his, up. His, like, his excuses are really terrible. They're pretty bad. He, he, Spider-Man came up with better excuses. Yeah, he did. You know, and he, I'm talking about Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he could have you know, been real. He could have been real. But then again, of course, I, I, being a teenager. One thing I really liked about Tobey Maguire Spider-Man's excuses was the fact that he used what actually happened as an excuse, but he twisted it around. Yeah, and that true. backfired on him because Norman Osborn found out that he was Spider-Man because of what he said. Yeah. Because <laughs> he said, I went and helped the old lady in the burning building. And then Norman Osborn's like, what? Ah, really? Why he, and he's over there like he's intentionally cutting that turkey. And he's like, hmm, really? That sounds like Spider-Man, bro. <laughs> Are you Spider-Man? I'm going to assume it. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to I'm gonna <laughs> attack you and your aunt. I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> but like I said, that goes back to Mark being a teenager, man. It goes back to him being a teenager. It goes back to him... Uh, not knowing how to handle situations like this, where he could have been up front, which is okay, which is okay. But he does tell Amber, hey, I'm going to bring you something nice when I come back. And he did bring her something nice. nice. But she, you know, it was was a rock. It was a rock. But it was a Mars rock. He could have told her, hey, my dad knows a couple astronauts, pull some strings, I don't know. He could have done something. He could have made it a little more spectacular than just a rock that he found in a missionary. Yeah. Thing was it a mission? Yeah, it was a mission. Yes, missionary. He Mission. didn't even tell him what places to go to. Yeah, I'm going to. He couldn't even place. like the problem with Mark, and the reason why during this point I was on Amber's side with some of it, but once like I said that changes in episode six, but because his excuses are so poorly thought out, like he can't even come up with a third world country on the fly to say he just says like. He doesn't even tell her where. He just says, I'm going to go volunteer. I think he says Africa or something. Yeah, it's not Africa. Africa does stick to my. I think I'm going to say, because I'm going to remember Africa. And then he says desert. There's a lot of desert there. And he's basically trying to like do it. He's trying to pull a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man excuse by using Mars as an example for the desert. But he was very poorly executed. Very poorly executed. But... Like I said, it was good to see Mark kind of kind of grow up a little bit more in this. Uh, episode four, episode uh, three, the, you know, of course, being the better out of two. But yeah. That's, that's solid. That's that's a good Well, episode uh, three really dealt with some heavy stuff. Yeah, episode three really got it going. Episode three really kind of... Had some heavy stuff at the beginning. Had some uh, heavy stuff dealing with Eve. Yeah. And you got to move it in the right direction, man. Got, you know, we got Mark... Starting his relationship with Amber. We got Even and her relationship with her ex. We got the world's uh, basically burying the guardians of the globe. And you got the the rocky relationship of uh, Nolan and Debbie. Nolan and Debbie. And then we got old Damien just being the best character in the show. Best detective. All time. Man could ever be. And then episode four, like you said, little fluff adventure episode that we need we need that slight little break because you kind of need that before things get real yeah you gotta have moments of peace before it's moments of uh, action which we'll be getting into that in the next one that's it for this episode thanks for listening subscribe and follow us on spotify google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, and many other major platforms and be sure to like and subscribe to our youtube channel at geek syndrome And be sure to tell your friends and family about us and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Links for that will be in the description. 
This is Matt. This is it. Till we see you again. Oh, sh uh, look, I'm so sorry.